Hi, this is Scarbs, and this is the Everything F1 podcast, driven by the fans, for the fans. And it's lights out, and away we go! As Verstappen goes into turn one, and goes past the Mercedes! Oh! And Hamilton has gone from second in the race! Try again, this time on the inside, a continent touch! Verstappen is out of the race, and that's a big crash into Cops! Ocon wins the Hungarian Grand Prix! Russell is still on provisional pole! This time Verstappen and Hamilton have crashed out! It's McLaren and Ricciardo that win the Italian Grand Prix! Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. And alongside me from the Everything F1 team today, we do have Coops. Hi, Coops. How are you? I'm not bad. How are you? I'm very, very good. Thank you very much. It's uh, not too cold in the garage today. So I've got my coat on, but I don't necessarily need it, if that makes sense. It's not too bad. Uh, Also from the Everything F1 team, we've got Sean. How are you doing, Sean? I'm so happy to be screaming. It's Rowie Seek again. Oh, yes. No, you're not allowed to say that. You get banned from the internet now if you say that because it's been repeated too many times. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. It was gone for most of last year. I'm bringing it back. Raw seek. <laughs> uh, and anyway, we, we've also got along with us uh, an extra special guest. Uh, we've got Scarbs Tech come to speak to us uh, this week about testing. Hi, Scarbs. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, nice to be back here. I uh, hope you're all going to have a, a nice chat today looking forward to it yeah me too absolutely um but first we are everything f1 you are obviously listening to us on our podcast so we'd love you to hit the bell uh, and subscribe to all of our podcasts uh, so you get the latest episodes right in your ears as soon as they drop you can also find us on all social media platforms we're on facebook twitter instagram and youtube and we have also got a shiny website www.everythingf1.com Okay, first, really serious question now, before we get into the main podcast, and I'm going to go to Scarbs first. What is there more of in the world, wheels or doors? <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Uh, I, don't know I, uh, I think a, there's more it, wheels. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a viral thing that's gone, gone mental this week. I don't know if you have seen it. We, we, no, on, we're on social... We're on social media all the time, so we see all these viral things. Um, but it, it's gone viral, so I thought I'd have a very, very brief discussion. I think it's wheels. You've gone for wheels. Coops, where are, what are you? Uh, do you know, there's one question that I could not kill more or less in at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Fair so I, I, I'll just say wheels. Uh, we're on a Formula One podcast, why not? Yeah, okay. Uh, and Sean, what are you? A wheels or a doors kind of guy? Uh, I, I've been saying doors for all week. Um, my girlfriend, my girlfriend was on the side of doors, and then she she read an article, and now she's been indoctrinated into this wheels side of the debate. But I disagree. It's it's definitely doors. If you think of all the no no no, it's, if you think of all the things that have wheels on them, you know, Lego for example, Lego is the biggest <laughs> manufacturer of wheels worldwide. Yeah, but like chi- China is the biggest manufacturer of doors worldwide. <laughs> so chi- China's bigger than Lego. <laughs> well, maybe. Anyway, it's three against one, so you lose. Sorry, Sean. (laughs) All right, well, let's get into the actual Formula One talk then. Uh, News that's dropped this week. Uh, Coops, what news would you like to chat about very 
quickly today? Well, there's not much really, uh, to be honest. I mean, uh, Colton Hurt has signed a testing deal with McLaren. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as part of the regulations this year, the all teams have to use two of their FP1 sessions for a rookie. Mm-hmm. So Colton Hurt has been signed up to be used. And pr- I would imagine one of them. I don't think it'd be both, but I don't think it said whether it'd be both of them. I'm not sure, but he's signed up for that for this year. Uh, and also on the same kind of vein, Oscar Piastri was offered to McLaren when it broke that Ricard Danny Rick had COVID. Uh, they could use him. Uh, as a substitute. Okay. Well, it's good news for uh, the stateside, you know, you know, drivers. There was some bad news for an American driver this week where Fittipaldi didn't get a seat, uh, his permanent seat in the Haas, which was a shame. So it's good to see an American driver actually with the op- opportunity for a drive this year, isn't it? I don't think it was much of a shame for Pietro Fittipaldi to get a race drive. He's not really done much. And then the, 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 the Open Wheel Series to deserve a full seat, a, a seat I would, to be honest from what I can remember of his career. But, you know, maybe he should have got first option, but they didn't see enough in him. So, Would, would you be excited to see uh, an American in a seat, Scarbs? I think it's something that's long overdue. Um, you know, we've only had, certainly in the past, what, 20 years, we've only had uh, just a few kind of coming in, not really making much of a mark of themselves. And mm. uh, with F1's obvious growth in America, as was evident with the Austin Grand Prix last year, uh, you know, there's, there's great interest. And, you know, I think there, you know, I think there should be an American. I mean, I think there's lots of nationalities that really should be represented in Formula One. Um, but certainly uh, someone from the States is long overdue. Um, probably as much as uh, a female driver in careers uh, long overdue. And you see these opportunities. It just seems, you know, sometimes the the options these teams take aren't, aren't quite as exciting or out there as perhaps some of us fans would like to see sometimes. Yeah. And it's usually driven by money, isn't it? Which, you know, you can't, you, mm-hmm. you, under, you understand from a team's point of view. Sean, is there a, is there a news article that you'd like to speak to speak about today? No, oh, it's going to be Kevin Magnussen getting the seat back if we're talking about uh, the drives and... <laughs> Fittipaldi not getting his. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't see it coming. Uh, I don't know, did, did Scarves, did you see that coming? You might have more of an in than we do. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I must say, I, you know, I, I don't take a huge amount of notice of the drivers most of the time, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I didn't see Magnussen going back into the seat. I got the impression they'd left on fairly bad terms, to mm. be honest. Um, and equally from, you know, from a, a fan perspective, it didn't seem like a very imaginative choice of driver to bring back in um, when, you know, if he's brought back in for the full season, I think that's a bit of a disappointment. Again, as I was sort of mentioning just a second ago, it's like it would have been great to have, you know, maybe the first three races just to have someone completely left field in mm. that car. But, you know, well, we no doubt we'll come to talk about Haas, but I think maybe... The, the fact that they've chosen a known quantity experienced driver that can, can bring results, you know, definitely is a sign that maybe Haas have got a bit more confidence in their package this year than that they've had for the past few years. So maybe there's a hidden message in that. That that was kind of my thinking of it as well, is that whatever about, you know, Magnuson said that he didn't realise how much he missed Formula One. Um, and that's what Jensen Button even said as well when he made that kind of return for a couple of laps in Monaco. The allure of missing Formula One is all well and good, but he wouldn't have come back just to sit at the back fighting of whether he could like outpace Mick by three seconds, which he wouldn't. 
So there must be something. I mean, they, I mean, they, 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 they showed a bit of pace with probably no fuel and the highest engine modes you're allowed, but <laughs> they, uh, they, they wanted to get some headlines around themselves for, I suppose, a positive spin after the week they had. But the, the, like, I've been watching a lot of F1's kind of inside videos and the races videos and all that sort of stuff, like people actually at the track for the past couple of weeks. And by all accounts, the Haas looks, you know, there, like, it, like, it, like it's working, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Working is the word I'll go with. It's not that I'm going to say it looks fast. I'm not going to stick a fiver on Haas to do a brawn yet. Um, well, but, we'll, go into, uh, we'll go into the car in a minute, Sean. But the, 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 it's worth noting the Kevin Magnussen deal was actually a multi-year contract as well. It's not just... Oh, was it? And that's the other thing. So they've, they've sold him on something more than just come back to Formula One. If you listen to the podcast last week, uh, it would pretty much signed up Giovinazzi for the role. Um, and that was with Sam Bird from the Formula E. I think that was... a. Uh, he was convinced. We were we were convinced of his how convinced he was. So we thought, oh yeah, we'll we're here tomorrow. And it, it completely surprised us all. I even sent a picture to Sam Bird. I said, oh, what do you expect of this? He didn't respond. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I, I sorry, Sam, uh, I dropped you in it there. But yeah, it was a complete surprise uh, to see uh, Kevin Magnuson take up that seat. Scobbs, have you got any news articles that you've seen that you that you'd like to chat about? Oh, let's have a think. Since uh, well, since tense didn't finish, which doesn't seem uh, an awful long time ago, we don't think we really had sort of too much out there. Mm. Um, uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, is changing his name. My mum told me on the telephone before I came onto this podcast. It no. was a bit okay. Um, he's adding his mum's name to his full name. Um, is that newsworthy? Uh, is it important? Um, it it will be. If maybe if his um, the, the the name changes on the on the screen, we might just be having to look for something different. I don't I don't know how much he would use it professionally. Um, it's not. It's getting added uh, as a middle name. Oh, okay. There you go. The what's his name from BBC? Was it uh, Benson? Can't remember yeah. his first name. He came Andrew. out and said uh, Andrew Benson. He came out and clarified that it's not. He's not changing his surname. It's getting no. put in as a middle name. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. So yeah. it's not going to make any difference to what we see or what he's going to be called. Really. A, a nice gesture for his mum, though, for keeping yeah. her name alive. He'll be able to yeah. write it on the trophy if he wins it this year, put the extra name on it. I think he said something along those lines that yeah. he wants her to be more involved in his legacy. <laughs> if, Fair enough. If well, he yeah. wins it. <laughs> you know, well, the only thing I would say about that is, I mean, this is him going for his eighth one. You know, at what point in the past did he think that his mum could have, had a, <laughs> you know, could have had something to do with them doing something? You know, why now? You know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I love you, but these first seven, these are just for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it is news. It is newsworthy. And it's a nice gesture for his mum, obviously, um, but probably won't affect us by the sounds of it uh, as fans watching the sport. But. I'm sure he will get slated online by the Hamilton haters that you see all over the place. Probably already is. I yeah, the probably is. Well, I, haven't, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure it is. Any news, any news article that has Hamilton or Verstappen in the title, there will be trolls <laughs> and there will be hate. So. Yeah. You just ignore the comment sections. No, we just put one up on our pages just to get rid of any of the trash that you say <laughs> to appear because they can't help themselves. That's it. Okay, well, let's go into testing now because we did have testing not so long ago uh, in Bahrain for the last few days of uh, last week. Um, it was the second test of the year, um, a one that we actually got to see on our screens uh, on Sky Television if you're in the UK or on F1 TV if you're elsewhere in the world. Um, and it was eye-opening and uh, 
certainly different machines turned up to this test that turned up to the previous test that we saw, obviously, in the images last time. Um, so I'm going to go to, to Scarbs first. Were you, were you very surprised with what turned up on the day uh, in Bahrain? Uh, what I mean, day one was um, yeah, quite exciting. Uh, as a, a technical fan of the sport, seeing that Mercedes W13 uh, side pod update appearing, everyone else yeah, has brought bits and pieces. Uh, and, you know, again, I think when you see the cars on TV, it kind of just brings home how different each of these cars is from each of the other ones. And I can remember talking all through the winter and all through even that second half of last year, uh, saying people going, oh, it's a spec formula. The cars are going to look the same. They're going to look like the show car. And say, no, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. And well, crikey, they really don't look the same at all as each other or that show car. Um, it's uh, fantastic. I mean, it's probably the most exciting the cars have looked in terms of differentiating each other for, for a probably a good 20, 30 years. So that's mm. uh, that's good. But the, the big story was that was the Mercedes um, and the rumours popped out beforehand. Uh, various people, Italian press, Will Buxton saying, oh, you know, it's going to have no side pods. And um, I'd already drawn a joke picture of the Alpine uh, saying that it was going to have no side pods, <laughs> uh, which did get picked up by the Spanish press. I have to have to add and thought that they, I was being serious. I really wasn't. <laughs> and I drew some pictures um, in an equal sort of tongue in tongue in cheek vein of the Mercedes. Um, and everyone just jumped on these pictures and just said, yeah, the, yeah, the Merc's going to have no side pods. Um, <laughs> and it kind of just took on a life of its own, uh, what was supposed to be a joke. Um, and when the car was rolled out, yeah, I mean, everyone's saying it's got no side pods. Oh, it's incredible. You know, it's, you know, so skinny. Um, but actually, um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest and say it's not what I drew. And the car still has side pods. Don't call them zero pods because there's side pods there. They're just a different shape. They are. Um, and everyone got very excited. And some of the other teams and certainly some of the people in the media got a bit overexcited about legality. And not really understanding the uh, the way the regulations uh, work, and you, they just turned up with something very different. Um, I don't know if it's any better or worse than any other sort of um, side pod package uh, that we've seen. It's certainly no less safe, which is something a lot of people were talking about. It was certainly uh, not contributing to porpoising or, or not porpoising, uh, as the case may be. I think that's a slightly different issue that Merck had during the Bahrain test. And yeah, it's just, you know, more variation. And I think that's just fantastic for Formula One. Um, but I think, you know, Mercedes, despite that being the exciting thing, I think the performance of the Mercedes is maybe like the bigger talking point than the, the size and shape of the side pods. Absolutely. Uh, well, I say it was a very strange looking uh, machine. Um, I don't think it was the, the most attractive looking machine now with those with those additions that they've got. Um, but that's a personal preference. Obviously, some people will say that no, it looks it looks gorgeous. Um, but actually, Sean, you 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 commented on that, didn't you? You you were a big fan of Mercedes uh, 1.0 that turned up at, at Barcelona, and now you've completely gone the other way, haven't you? It's horrid. <laughs> it's it's one of the ugliest racing cars cars I've ever seen in my entire life. It's, <laughs> obviously. It doesn't matter if it's fast, but it, I'm looking right now at a perfectly done side by side. So it's half the car from Barcelona, half the car from Bahrain. And Scarves is right. They're not zero pods. The side of it's still really wide. It's just the opening is not up high. It's down low. But they're, like the side pods are still there. If anything, the car looks actually a bit more bulbous. It, almost, it reminds me a bit of the Alpine from last year, which is a fat head. Um, <laughs> whether, again, whether or not that's the best solution remains to be seen. 
but it, it's awful. And like, I don't know. It looks like it looks like the old school F1 cars where someone took a piece of aluminium and beat the crap out of it with a hammer. It doesn't look like it was molded properly in a wind tunnel to fit on top. It looks like they took the aluminium and thought, y- y- you fit, uh, bang, bang, there you go, you fit in. It looks awful. Uh, I, I assume it'll get better. I'm obviously no aerodynamicist, um, but it it doesn't look like it made it any faster. It doesn't look like it made it any stable. It definitely didn't allay any of the porpoising. If any, anything, it made it worse. I think in Bahrain, from what I was watching, the Mercedes porpoising was worse than anyone. Um, but oh, it's just oh, they've they've ruined it. It was such a beautiful <laughs> car. It's like even the silver somehow somehow got less shiny. <laughs> You've got a real grudge against this. Yeah, I, I, it's, 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 it, it, it's plummeted down my ranking and the Haas has gone right up to the middle of my ranking from mm. after Bahrain. It's, it's, it's ruined my whole video. I'm very annoyed at Mercedes for that. So, <laughs> so inconsiderate of content creators. Okay, uh, well, we've talked about performance then. Um, there was a quote from Lewis Hamilton, uh, and this sounds like something he says every year, um, but I'm going to read it anyway. It sounds like this, the typical sandbagging um, kind of comments that, that they do usually make. Uh, he, he's quoted as saying, at the moment, I don't think we'll be competing for wins, but there is potential within our car to get us there. Uh, I think we have far bigger challenges this time, and they're not one-week turnarounds. I think they'll take a little bit longer, but from what I'm told, we have a significant amount of pace to find. How much of that do you believe, Scarbs? Is it is it sandbagging from the Mercs? Is it genuine frustration with the design? Uh, let's try and find the right way of tackling this. Uh, no, I, I mean, I don't believe that sort of negativity about the car uh, given by everyone from the team. So you can see, clearly see that it's a kind of a, a PR line that they're, they're peddling. It, no, I don't think that's the case. Um, I don't think they're that far behind. I don't think they're that far away from getting that car working much more to their liking. Um, there, there are problems, um, but you know, how, how deep are these? I don't think we're talking about this is a bad car that's never going to get better. Um, this is a, or a car that needs lots and lots of work. And I... I do wonder a little bit with with these cars, and you've got to remember that you know testing is not going out trying to set the fastest laps. It's not even necessarily going out and trying to get the setup perfect. It's about finding out how the car works. And in testing, you can do things that you wouldn't have the time to do during a race weekend or any reason to do it. So, for example, they could be running you know unusually low rear ride heights, which is one of the things that starts to bring on the porpoising. So maybe they were just running at the very bottom of the available range of rear ride heights just to see what the car does. Mm. Um, uh, maybe they do have a fundamental, you know, a, a, more, a more basic um, you know problem with the car. But I th- think the performance that we saw in Bahrain wasn't the best they could have possibly got out of that car. Um, I think when we come to free practice, certainly for qualifying in uh, round one, uh, again at Bahrain, I think you're going to see a much more competitive um, Mercedes, uh, both drivers. I think they'll they'll collect it up. And that will be a mix of whatever sandbagging and ruses they were playing during, during testing. Mm-hmm. It will be the development work that they've done on the chassis and the race engineering work they've done with the simulations since then. And, you know, just getting everything together. Um, I think their 
there is a, you know some problems with that car, and I think that will probably show themselves much more in the race in terms of having problems with performance, with um, tyres potentially, which again is still a big unknown factor with these tyres. We don't really understand them yet. Mm. Um, I'm sure the teams are starting to learn, but you know certainly as as observers, none of us are quite clear what's going on. Um, the only good thing for Mercedes is they did lots and lots of mileage, lots of reliability. So a good race result could come simply by getting to the end of that race, um, mm. even if they haven't got you know the the, the chassis under them to uh, to really kind of get there on you know complete merit. But I think that will that will come in very rapidly, and I think you know soon we'll see them, you know, as competitive as as they have ever been for the, these past what is it now uh, eight years, nine years? Yeah. Too long. (laughs) Let's talk about this word that we're going to be hearing probably quite a bit for the start of the season, porpoising. Um, Mercedes did look kind of the probably one of the worst uh, offenders really of the porpoising uh, over the, over the last few days uh, of testing. Um, Is that a simple ish fix? It's it's again, it's a complicated answer because we don't entirely understand what's causing the porpoising. So we understand what porpoising is, which is when, as you go faster and faster, the car gets more and more downforce. The downforce squashes the car to the track. So it's squashing the suspension, it's squashing the tyres, it's bending the bodywork, and then anything else could then start to set this car off. So, you know, cresting a hill, bumps in the track, following another car, or even if you're just on a dead smooth flat piece of track, something happens with the aerodynamics and the downforce stops being created. And then because you haven't got that downforce, the springs and everything flexes back up and then they start working again and just go down, up and down at a kind of a five hertz frequency, which is like really horrible for the driver. Mm. And it's literally shaking their head and their internals around. It's um, you know deeply unpleasant. Doesn't really do anything to the car, really. It doesn't affect its reliability or even its speed. It's just unpleasant and you want to get rid of it because it's just not really the way you want to run a racing car. But what exactly is causing this stall, aerodynamic stall under the car isn't clear. Is it the fences at the front of the car hitting the ground? Is it the sides of the floor? Is it the back of the floor? Or is it just something about the general geometry? We, we haven't got the answer to that. So the actual solution is you know quite hard to pick out. There mm. are some simple th- fixes. You raise the rear ride height is one of the key things. And we saw Red Bull in particular doing that, lots of other teams doing that. But in doing that, you're then moving the floor um, away from its ideal working range. You lose a bit of performance. The other option is you put stiffer springs, stiffer damping in to try and you know get that frequency dialed out of the car. And mm. that works you know, along with um, uh, ride height to a point, but really it's only a sticking plaster. You're only kind of you know, trying to stop the aerodynamic stall. Um, but you know, at some point, you know, the, the, it's going to stall when you can't really be controlling it. And that's very bad for any race car. Um, mm. You know, as I say, I'm not saying porpoising is necessarily unsafe because it tends to be in a straight line. You're under control, but it's, you know, something that you want to try and dial out. So I think a lot of teams will dial it out quite quickly. Uh, certainly when you get into kind of free practice, when they're going to stop mucking about with ride heights and, and it, in the range they know it will work at. Mm. But then you've got the longer problem of trying to resolve exactly what is causing the aerodynamic stall in the first place. And that's really the only long-term solution for each team is to try and get that working range matched uh, with the aerodynamics, get the suspension working with it, understanding the tyres, the tyre pressures, all that sort of stuff. Getting that all working together is just the part. I think this is going to get dialed out really quickly. Um, Mm. I think if we had more testing, we'd have seen the teams just, you know, 
investigate it, play about with running at funny Ryan Heights. And we know some of the teams were certainly doing that in Barcelona in the early days at Bahrain. Mm. Uh, and then just get on with the job of the other things that you're testing for. Um, so I think uh, as we reach races, it will kind of disappear. But I think it will rear its head occasionally, you know, uh, on bumpy tracks or if someone's following someone um, and it will just suddenly reappear for a team in either a race or a free practice. And it's going to be, oh, let's get rid of it. Um <laughs> And yeah, yeah, that's, you know, it, I think it, that would equally will kind of die away, but I think it will, it will become much less of a kind of a, a mainstream media, big worry, big topic um, really rapidly as the season starts. Just, just on that, um, you're saying like, obviously the, the number one fix is raising the ride height, but obviously teams like Mercedes who typically run a low one don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. What have McLaren done that they haven't suffered from this at all? Did they? Do you think they naturally designed the car to be a bit higher? Did they? Have they sorted out the 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 what do you call it, the vortexes on the side of the car from day one? Is their car just better designed around that, or is it going slower so it's not being affected by it? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the honest answer is we don't know. Um, lots of people kind of point at things on the car. So McLaren, one of the first teams to have quite a complicated floor edge in front of the rear tyre and go, they've put that in there to stop the porpoising. Um, Then you look at the side pods, it's like, oh, that's there because of the porpoising. Um, (laughs) Pull rod front suspension, people are pointing at that and saying, wow, teams that have pull rod front suspension, they're not having porpoising. It's kind of going back to blaming pull rod suspension for understeer. It's like complete gibberish. It's, yeah, there's no technical basis in that at all. (laughs) Um, So we don't really understand. Um, I think where McLaren are on pace and just the way that their test was generally set out. I don't think that they were doing some of this extreme stuff that we've seen other teams. You I mean, you've seen a lot of the teams literally dragging a lot the back of the car along the, the track at high speed. And, you know, that would certainly be a, a factor in having porpoising. Uh, there are a number of other teams, actually, if you look at the data, um, that had less porpoising than, than McLaren. Um, they were certainly, you know, the, the, the ones that are the least, there's probably three or four teams that really just didn't have a issue with it at all mm. so i think it is you know some some cars may be a bit more on the edge with the aerodynamics and the suspension um but i don't think that there's some kind of magic bullet on the on the mclaren that prevents this from happening um they've just kind of got their car generally sorted out to be quite you know um working well within its range um whether that range is gives them enough performance is kind of a similar st- story with ferrari uh remains to be seen because certainly their pace has been that little bit lower um through particularly through the bar rain test we know they had brake issues um but i think if, if you kind of add it up i think you know mclaren may be a little bit further behind the curve than they'd like to be um on sheer performance and sadly long runs as well mm. Well, let's talk about Ferrari then. Uh, we'll go to Coots. We haven't heard your Scottish tones for a little while. Um, what was your takeaway from Ferrari's test? Probably one of the best tests I've had in a long, long time. I mean, they went to the Barcelona test. Everyone was surprised by their side pods uh, with the release of the car, and then it came out. Uh, and they just got on with it. And they've just got on with it since. You know, they've consistently... I, d- I don't remember... At any point during the Bahrain test where they were unable to really get out, the usual kind of, oh, we need to tweak this, we need to change that, maybe have to do a wee thing with this. But it was never, there wasn't a major catastrophe on track, there wasn't any issues. It just, they just seemed to get on with it. Uh, And I mean, the car 
every time I look at that car, I fall a wee bit more in love with it. I think the thing looks stunning. It does. Uh, look, it's a nice looking car. It is. Uh, but yeah, they, they've they've got all my. Th- I think they're there. It's weird to say it, but they are kind of the dark horse for this season. I think. Uh, I think they. I think as much as I'm a McLaren fan, on it just now, I think they're pretty much nailed on for third. The way it's looking at the minute. I mean, we could go to Bahrain and it could be absolutely awful and fighting for tenth, but you know, uh, at the minute, I think it's. I think it's between Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull for the top three. To be honest. Uh, so. There was a lot of people, obviously, uh, Scarves talking about Ferrari maybe being a favourite. Uh, can you can you subscribe to that? Do you think that's uh, uh, quite likely? I, I would love to really kind of pin my yeah, flag to the mast on this one, but <laughs> I, I, I've seen lots of winter testing over the years. I've seen Ferrari have great winter seasons and turn up at the first race and they're just nowhere mm-hmm. um so i'm i'm gonna have to kind of temper my potential enthusiasm slightly um but i you know i totally agree with, with coops it's you know it's a it's a really interesting fantastic looking car it looked great on track uh and i'm not talking about the looks of the car but in terms of how it was handling it would look always look balanced it always looked like it wasn't a handful for the drivers they could throw it around when they wanted they could drive it smoothly when they wanted it was a very smooth test you know as you said absolutely no issues big changes to the power unit as it was for all of the engine manufacturers but you know big change there and it you know it was just a great test for them i think the, the one question that remains for me with ferrari is how much actual pace do they have so when you look at the um the, again the data for long runs um or race pace if you want to call it and qualifying ferrari aren't quite there with red bull they were certainly behind mercedes um and depending on which which figures you look like you know sometimes mclaren maybe even looked a little bit quicker so i think you know you can say that the car looks great and balanced and the drivers like it uh during testing which is you know, great for the drivers but the drivers actually want a fast car <laughs> they'd rather have to wrestle slightly a fast car than be very comfortable driving a slightly slower car so i think that's the one question that's remaining but i completely agree i mean i think certainly when we come to bahrain this weekend ferrari should be the ones chasing uh red bull for those first rows of the of the grid uh, in the race equally, you know, I think they've they've got something to bring, um, particularly while uh, McLaren uh, and particularly Mercedes are kind of a little bit down on their luck. Um, they can get some results in early and then, you know, really start working on that car to actually build on a good start, which is you're going to need this year because it's such a long season. Um, you've really kind of just, and everyone's going to be developing so quickly. You've really kind of just got to get straight onto that ladder and get going. And you don't want to lose a few races um, albeit you do have time to kind of catch up eventually, but you know, you've got wind tunnel restrictions, you've got budget caps, you know, you've got things that could really kind of start to bring you up, have your season become unstuck quite quickly. So, um, yeah, so I mean, I think you know, with the caveat of testing is only testing, um, for yeah. look good. And, and those scalloped kind of sides, the side oh, we're talking about side pods again, um. It- <laughs> What, is that to feed air onto the rear wing? Does they, they look kind of like directional, or or is it? Are they, are they cleverly designed to to kind of give some kind of other aerodynamic effect that maybe other teams haven't noticed? I mean, I think that 
if you compare the the Mercedes side pods to the Ferrari, you can see how different you can approach these regulations, how different you can kind of almost end up with the same lap time with something very different. Mm. Um, yeah, the scallop tops with the louvers, I think that is trying to push air towards the uh, the gap between the top uh, rear wing and the beam wing below it um, and get all of that dirty air out of there, but also making sure that you're trying to get some good clean air to it as well. It's quite interesting. But I mean, I think the scallop tops are interesting, but for me, it's these big flat sides that you've got to the side pods with that just that little channel they've made into the very bottom, which is very different from anybody else, even McLaren, who you could maybe argue have got the concept closest to Ferrari in terms of big side pods. Um, I think it's yeah, at the end of the day, it's all about reducing drag with the Ferraris. And we saw that agree with it, with the Haas concept as well, that they're just you know trying to take all the drag out of this car that they can, um, which is which is interesting because, you know, these regulations, the cars are naturally low drag anyway. Mm. Um, and really what you with these all of these cars, teams are going to be looking for low speed um, performance. Um, more than high speed and um, you know, straight line speed, and equally we know that this new Ferrari engine is, is as they that they used to call them in, in in the 80s, absolutely bomber. You know, it's a fast engine. Um, it's as quick as the Mercedes and the Honda. Um, Renault seem to have. I say Honda. It's a Red Bull technically, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, they seem to have. You know, um, really kind of got the power back to that engine after um, you know obviously struggling since the uh, fuel flow saga a couple of years ago. <laughs> Um, and it, you know, it, it, as I say, kind of everything starts to sort of add up for them, and it's like, you know, you you don't want to get over uh, optimistic with Ferrari because so often they let you down. But mm. you know, as I say, it is looking good, and the side pods are, you know, key to everything that's going on with that car. And it is about time that Ferrari did get back to the front of the field. Yeah, you know, mm. it, it's been a while. Uh, obviously, 2019 that they were they were there or thereabouts, but then towards the end of the uh, season they got told to stop using the fuel flow as they were and then suddenly dropped off the pace so it'll be good to see the red car at least battling for top steps this season um i think formula one needs it and ferrari definitely needs it yeah i mean i I completely agree i think what was interesting is uh we were talking about news earlier something came out today was the the kind of the viewing figures the um the hits for each of the cars launches and Ferrari were about fourth or fifth, if I remember from the top of my head. Wow. Um, with sort of Merck and McLaren quite high up there. And you think, really? I mean, mm. for, you know, I followed the sport for many, many, many years. And, uh, you know, the Ferrari launch is always normally one of the most uh, anticipated, but um, apparently not with the social media fans this year. So, you know, obviously with a lot of the, you know, the following of F1 being maybe newer to the sport than historically it always has been. Uh, maybe you know the the shine of Ferrari isn't there, um, and Formula One likes to trade on its heritage, and Ferrari is <laughs> Formula One's heritage. Massive. So yeah, I think it would be good to see them back. Whether you know uh, you're a Ferrari fan or just a Formula One fan, I think it's you know it is part of the, the sport that it is today. Well, let's talk about the uh, the Red Bull then, um, the last year's driver champion uh, team. They turned up with these very kind of, I don't know, again, I don't know how to describe those kind of... Yeah, so you're, you're talking about what we call the undercut at the front of the side that's, that's the word, and... the undercut. Yes, um, there's lots of ways. There's lots of ways you can slice and dice these side pods this year because you've been given more length in which to put them, um, and some teams have done that. So McLaren, uh, Aston Martin, um, and then you go. You can have a shorter side pod, which is what Red Bull have done. And mm. 
yeah, the side pod's got lots of functions on the car, and I won't go through all of them because we'll be we'll be here all night. But there's <laughs> kind of two two kind of key things that it's trying to do. One of them, it's trying to create pressure over the edge of the floor at the front of the floor, and you, you know the fences that are inside the front of the tunnels. You've seen so much um, through testing, which are quite new, kind of like the new barge boards, effectively. You can create downforce at the front of the floor by pushing air out sideways. Um, and that's a really important part of getting the car balanced, particularly when you're following another car, because mm-hmm. obviously you would typically lose front end downforce. You get understeer. So if you get the floor working really well, even in turbulence um, at the front, then you've got a much more balanced car when you're following another. And the Red Bull undercut, which is where you have this kind of duck bill inlet about at the front of the side pods and then it comes back with a big undercut then it pushes all the air out sideways and that's really their kind of trump card with this but equally you've got the the slope of the side pods is like the you know, the top surface goes down and that goes towards what we would typically have called the diffuser mm-hmm. and the update that they brought on the last day of testing had some creases in the side pod again to try and encourage airflow down and around to get to the back of the floor and again this creates lots of downforce this time a bit more rear focused um it is front and rear but it's it's slightly more rear focused when you're playing at that part of the car and um you know we were talking about the aesthetics and um i was chatting the other day and it's um if you look at the red bull to the mercedes the mercedes looks like a side pod designed by committee in some respects um (laughs) and then you see the red bull and you just know that there's been you know, a projector pencil has been run over some French curves and some rulers to create those shapes because it's very organic and, um, you know, it's it's really trying to encourage the air rather than trying to bludgeon the air into moving around. And, uh, you know, that's the difference in in design uh, leadership between Red Bull with Newey and obviously uh, Mercedes with a, a large, diverse um, aero department. So you see the differences there, but both of them could work exactly the same. Um, and certainly the Red Bull with the updated side pods they had at the end of Bahrain looked so much quicker again. Um, it was kind of verging on the gains that everyone was claiming that the Mercedes side pods were going to give them. So, uh, yeah, you know, the Red Bull... Yeah, side pods are a fantastic thing, but the whole package just seems to be working, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. They, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they look, they looked quick. Um, do you want to add anything about that? Uh, the Red Bull team coupes? No, I, th- I mean they were very much like Ferrari. They're cars fast. It, it seems stable, um, and they just got on with it. Plus, you can never count out Red Bull when you've got an Adrian Newey designed car. You just can't count them out. It's I mean, the man still uses a bit of paper and a pencil to draw his cars. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's a big bit of pencil, a big bit of paper on a big, uh, big board, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, he uses, he uses a big, but it's a pen and a paper. Everyone else uses, those, you know, the iPads and CFD computers and all that. And no, nope, Adrian Newey goes in with his pencil, ruler on the rubber, and gets on with it. You know, he's uh, <laughs> the man's a genius. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they are. They, it's just, I'm just, everywhere you're looking for me alone this season, you're like, oh, that's different. Well, so's that. And that, wait, what, what did you do there? Where's this? What? You know, it's amazing. It's brilliant. It's just so good. I don't remember it being so diverse. Every car's different, and it's just great. <laughs> let's talk. Oh, uh, let's let's not go through every single team uh, with a fine tooth comb. Um, Scrubs, out of the cars that we haven't spoken about, which 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 team kind of surprised you with either a great car or the other way, um, not so good, not so great car. Um, I think you can encompass both of those uh, requests with one team, um, <laughs> Williams. 
Um, mm. For me, it's the, you know, forget about the, the Red Bull and the Mercedes or the Ferrari. The, the Williams car is the most radical one we've seen this year. It's, you know, uh, I was talking about the other side, Podless car and having a joke about it, but Williams have kind of really gone down that track. They've followed Alpine's lead from last year, put all the radiators on the centre line of the car, fed from the roll hoops. You get this big fat body of the car. Mm. And then these tiny um, side pods, in which despite being tiny, only half of them is actually a side pod in terms of it having a radiator inside and serving the cooling function. The top half is literally just a duct um, to, to throw the air around. So you do wonder where Williams will go with that design, having seen what Mercedes have done this year. There's like, oh, we could do something quite, quite cool and even more radical. But again, you look on the track, you know, they really didn't appear to be suffering um, with extreme porpoising. Um, again, looking at the data, they certainly had some, um, but it wasn't pr- troubling them. It was kind of like a, a level which they can cope with, which most race cars will have to some extent, uh, depending on the conditions. But they didn't set the timing uh, screens alight. Unfortunately, they set their rear brakes alight, which was an unfortunate and really kind of screwed a very limited amount of testing. But I don't know, you know, the, I don't know where they stand. Um, if you look at, again, look at some of the data on quality and race pace, they look like they're the slowest team. But I didn't get that impression looking at the car and looking at the times as the, as the sessions were going on. So, um, you know, I think Williams are a, a team that excite me with the car. You know, you can see that the management structure has changed massively there. I mean, it's not, it's Williams over the uh, name over the door, but that's about it really. Mm. Um, and you can see how they are going to progress over the coming years, but where they stand before we, we go to the first race, <laughs> I keep flip-flopping between, you know, they potentially could be stepping away from the back end of the grid or they've just kind of nailed themselves to the back of the grid. Um, It would be interesting to see how that shakes out. And then I think the other team in a similar situation is Haas. Uh, You know, we kind of of came in talking about them a little bit. And, you know, when you look at the, the last two years that they've had, when you look at the winter they've had, or you know, all the way up through the testing up to the first race. I mean, what else can go wrong? <laughs> but, but you know, all that investment into 2022 is it produced a very interesting car, um, lots of detail on it. They've really worked every corner of the car to try and maximize the regulations. Now, I don't know if that is necessarily a good thing, just as Williams maybe have gone the most radical with the car concept simply because Haas have put the most detail in the car doesn't mean that it's, you know, uh, a brawn moment or, uh, you know, really lift them out of the doldrums. But the car showed some real pace. Uh, We don't know exactly what, you know, what the basis of that was. It was cooler in the evenings. We know that Ferrari weren't turning their engine up. In fact, Ferrari, um, certainly the factory scene Ferrari, were turning their engine down for the quali simulations, which is quite interesting. Uh, When you look at the acceleration rates, um, it was actually slower on the uh, the short runs than it was on the race run. So they're, they're playing about with the engine there. I doubt Haas were given an allowance to go out and set ridiculous times with a, a high power engine. Mm. So maybe Haas have lifted themselves again, equally off the, uh, the back end of the grid. I don't think that's going to push them towards the front of what's going to be a very competitive midfield because, you know, I think clearly we've got a, a, a leading pack of three. McLaren will bring that up to four once they get their car sorted out. And that then means you've got six teams vying for you know getting into q3 um getting points at the end of the race um over you know this extraordinary long um and arduous season 
So um, yeah, it's 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 a big task for um, for Haas to kind of maintain some potential advantages that we may have seen during the Bahrain test. Because they they've had longer to develop that car. You know, they they yeah. outward outward said, look, we're not developing last year's car. We will race with it. We're going to be diabolical, which they were. Um, they were you know three four seconds down, make the three four laps down. Often this year they really need they need something this year, don't they? They they, they need that to show that that work. Uh, and that it, sacrifice last year was worth it. It would be it would be dreadful um, for, for anyone with any degree of heart, you know, whether you like Haas as a team or uh, any aspect of it, uh, for a team to have given up so much over probably two years, really, bearing mm. in mind that they really just didn't do much in 2020 either with the car, really threw away 2021, uh, not to come away with some kind of reward for all of that effort put into this year. Um but you know, uh, you know, the jury is out, isn't it? <laughs> mm. <laughs> testing, testing hasn't given us the result, but it's given us some hope and some optimism, though, which I think is, um, which is, which is good. And we'll just see how it shakes out over these open races. Sean, who impressed you over the uh, course of testing? Uh, we've already touched on everyone who impressed me, so I won't kind of go back over how in love I am with that red car. Okay, <laughs> but um, oh, to be honest, um, the, the, we're talking about that midfield pack, and I'm so excited. Like the, the the front pack is going to be closer than I think we've had in a very long time. But that midfield pack, Alpine, Alpha Tauri, Aston Martin, I'm going to leave Alfa Romeo out of that because while they had a good preseason, they had a good test in Bahrain. They've still three days behind everyone else because they did nothing in Barcelona. They mm. were rubbish in Barcelona. So I'm the car looks okay, but I'm not going to put them in that group yet. But the, the three of them, I kind of lumped them all together. So we don't have to go through them all together. They, they all looked good. Um, obviously, the AlphaTauri had that dramatic porpoising issue really in Barcelona, but they seem to have, for the most part, got on top of it. I didn't see it being anywhere near as big or dramatic an issue to the point that F1 were using them as their show card to just explain how porpoising works. It was that bad in Barcelona. Um, so they look pretty good. Yuki looks comfortable, which is good. I think he needs to have a big season. Um, the Alpine, the Alpine have been very quiet, but that might be for the best. That might be for, uh, the two drivers. I've watched interviews with them. Um, they both seem just super content. They don't, there's no, there's no suggestion anywhere that there's like, issues or stress going on in that garage so they look happy which is good um and aston martin look really good as well i think um i wouldn't be i wouldn't i wouldn't say like it'd be a bad idea to stick a fiver on seven to be on the podium in bahrain that might be a wild shout but that aston has looked good from the moment from the moment they took the covers off it in that gorgeous green to the, the whole six days on track it's looked good it's not set the timing of life but they've Never done that, have they? They're a bit like McLaren in the in preseason testing. That team has never come out and go, ah, we'll go on a glory run now. Mm. It's like, no, 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 let's make the car work. We've no money, let's make the car work. And they've done that, and it looks really, really good. But uh, I'm not going to even pretend to guess at where the hierarchy of that sits. I think Scarves are, I think the McLaren are ahead of them all, edging at the top three. Um, but the three of them are, I think, ahead of the, I think the back three are still the back three, Haas, Williams, uh, Alfa Romeo. Um, but th- those three look really, really good. I was very impressed just just watching them. The cars look, look pretty stable, and they they all worked. There was no dramatic reliability issues from any of them. Okay, Coops, did anyone disappoint you or impress you that we haven't spoken about? Obviously, uh, Sean was generous with all the teams that he spoke about, so you can talk about any of those. <laughs> well, <clears throat> probably Williams. I mean, they just kind of were there. I mean, yes, the the car's quite radical, and it's and it's kind of the way it's you know designed and 
you know, the drop off for the side pod and the way it kind of drops off, uh, heading towards the kind of floor, it's so sharp. Uh, and it looks really nice that, that, yeah, that blue on the sun. I mean, it looks good, but mm. I've got a worrying suspicion that Haas are going to overtake them at the bottom. Uh, I think Ooh. Alfa Romeo are going to go up. I think it'll be Alfa Romeo, Haas, Williams at the back three. Uh, just, uh, I, I like Sean. I can't pick between Alpine, Alfa Tauri and Aston Martin uh, in, the, in the mid-pack. I just can't pick between them. I think it's going to be one week, one race, Alfa Tauri will do brilliant. The next race, it'll be Alpine. The next race, it'll be Aston Martin. Maybe one will go on a couple of races where they'll do well. Uh or there might be a bit of a misfortune with a couple of cars. And what I have noticed overall is these cars are they're slightly more difficult to drive, as in the drivers have to drive them now. <laughs> you know, and it's not like all this, like where last year it just looked so effortless. Mm. And I mean, these cars, they were like two years old. So yeah, last year's cars, so you can't, they kind of knew what they were doing with them. But, you know, this year, they, like, they're having to work, like, so you should. <laughs> you should drive the cars. And this is what I like about it. They look like a race car. They're hard to drive or they look hard to drive, which they should be. Uh, and none of us can really save for any any kind of confidence what's going to happen come Bahrain. I mean, Mercedes didn't come out and absolutely go nuts with it. You know, we didn't, we, we didn't see anybody really trip up. McLaren... I mean, Scabs may be able to talk a wee bit about them, the break was they were having, but, you know, I, the only thing, that doesn't overly concern me because they know what it is. Mm. If they were coming out going, we're slow and we don't know why, or getting that impression, you're like, oh, no, oh, we don't like that. But they, they knew straight away, they came out, yep, it's the brakes, but it's getting the stuff over to try and fix it and the things they brought over didn't fix it quite like they thought it was going to fix but the only concern is if they don't fix it by the race because the brakes don't last to the to the end of the race that's the mm. biggest problem but do you yeah. want do you want to touch on that scarves do you think there's a, a a fix that's probably in hand already for the McLaren yeah, team I mean, for the brakes it, i don't think there's there's um, a long-term issue here with the uh, the brakes comes on the McLaren. I'm pretty sure by the time we've had some free practice sessions in Bahrain uh, at the weekend, it will all be um, sort of done and dusted. Um, you know, it just I think the, th- the thing is, you know, we, 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 we've spent loads of time talking about where we think the teams will sit, but there's so many unknowns going into Bahrain this weekend. You know, you've got you know, all of these teams have had some various issues, bits and pieces that have gone wrong. You know, lots of the the the, the engines and lots of the teams have done huge mileages, but you know, we're still in the dark with you know how will these brakes cope through the race? Um, how will the suspension? Um, cope and as you were saying the cars are hard to drive how will the drivers cope with that you know um, equally you've got these new tyres um, we don't know how they behave you know we've been so used to front tyres wanting to overheat rear tyres um, sorry the other way around it's the rear tyres wanting to overheat the front tyres you can't get temperature into them if you slide at all both the temperatures just go through the roof of the tyres wrecked you know that 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 whole story that everything we know about tires is gone. Mm. Um, everything we know about suspension, you know, cars looking lovely and smooth as, as Coops was saying through corners, um, you know, that 
all of the things that allowed them to do that has gone as well. Can you ride curbs with these uh, cars with the setup that's going to give you um, a car that doesn't porpoise? You know, are you going to get a porpoise in in traffic through the race? Um, uh, you know, you've got new gearboxes, you've got new engines, you've got spec fuel, you've got all sorts of things going on. Mm. That we just, you know, at this stage, we we haven't seen enough because testing has been so limited to really understand what's going to be coming up this weekend in Bahrain. And it could be thrown on its head. I mean, it could be the Alfa Romeo have just got their tyre and brake management right. And, you know, Bottas can ride over the curbs and he could win. <laughs> it, it, it literally could be like that. Mm. Uh, all the leading cars could just blow up or fall to pieces. We just... You know, there's. I've never known a season when there's been so many unknowns. Uh, and, you know, I can think back to all the big recent regulation changes, you know, sort of 2014, 2009, the, the mid-90s, um, the big one in 82 going into 83 when they got rid of ground effects uh, last time. Mm. Um, you know, there, there were question marks there, but never as many as that you've got this year. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. And we're going to be learning all the way through this year as you know drivers and people at the team start to give us comments about what they're having to cope with what they've cured you know just and sometimes simply just by watching to understand what's going on it's just so much um and you know so far we've only just scratched the surface of it it's really exciting we're really excited for it uh, you, mm. you, you you can see in everyone's face uh, we've had a several mm. we've had several guests on recently and every single one obviously the, i think the excitement of the unknown <laughs> Uh, for every, every every F1 fan, everyone mm. everyone who's not even into it, uh, they've, they've they've got an interest in it because of these this massive rule change. And one thing that we did notice uh, on uh, the testing was that these cars actually can follow each other, which is mm. the whole key to the to the uh, of the rule of the rule changes. Um, we saw Gasly and and Hamilton um, having a little bit of practice and following, and and they looked like they could get right up to the back of them uh, without much issue. Yeah. And you can throw the cars around now because the tyres appear to be able to slide, which you could never do. Um, so if a driver wants to kind of stand up in the seat and have a big quality lap by just throwing it about mm. or to get that overtaking manoeuvre done, that's possible as well. So I think there's so much potential for this this year. I think the main thing is, is Bahrain is not, the litmus test for the entire season <laughs> who goes well in Bahrain uh anything that happens in Bahrain is just episode one of you know season 2022 yeah uh, we've got 23 episodes to watch um you know everything's going to change it's going to be topsy-turvy um and yeah I mean I again I can I can't think of a season when it's been more unpredictable um and offered so much potential for having a, a, an absolute epic season do, do you think that this year will break 2012's records of seven drivers in the first seven races? It's just to do that quickly, actually. Um, well, we're talking about a top four teams. That gives us eight drivers. Um, I think you could throw in a potential Alpine win or maybe Alpha Tower, even maybe Aston Martin, or all the A's. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think yeah, there is there is that potential, isn't there? I mean, I think everyone could, could get a bite of the cherry in those top four teams mm. as the season goes on. You know, 23 races, I mean, God, it's madness, isn't it? But, uh, well, 22 at this stage, I think yeah. we've dropped one, haven't we? We haven't, we haven't um, replaced it just yet, but there are rumours that are there's, yeah, there's, drop. I think, there, okay. I think they'll, they'll, they'll definitely fill that slot at some point during the year. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, God, you know, you could, you could, it could, it could be more than ten drivers potentially could win a race this year. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's, I think, I think this year, like the driver lineup pairings throughout the field, especially kind of the top six, seven teams, are incredible. Those top four, no offense to it, but I think Pierre Gasly, uh, not Pierre Gasly, sorry, uh, Sergio Perez is maybe the weak link of those top yeah. eight drivers, um, and. You know, only three of them haven't ever won a race, and surely they all win this will this year. Um, and then obviously you've got world champions in Aston and Alpine. You've got a race winner. It, it, both the Alpine drivers are race winners. Pierre Gasly's a race winner. Um, it's 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 going to be fascinating. I'm I'm really excited for it. Could you? Oh, although with so much uncertainty, I'm not going to ask you to pick a winner because that would be completely out there. But have you got a bold prediction uh, for the season ahead? season ahead yeah uh, okay, yeah. i was talking about for the the, the championship or um the result in bahrain um <laughs> i think the bold i think the bold prediction um yeah, I mean i think the bold prediction i think i've probably already thrown it out there is i think you're going to get a mid uh, you will get a midfield victory this year which would be the you know alpine alpha tauri uh aston martin i think that's my bold one of them will, will get a victory in this year great good 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 Okay, chaps, have you got any questions for Scarbs? Coops? Yes. Uh, is there, what, out of all the 10 teams, what philosophy do you think is the most likely to go wrong? You know, we've had so many, you've had so many different ideas, and they always say, they've said it in Sky, they said one's usually right, one's usually wrong. And you see that, you see somebody, like if a team turns up and they're the only team with a new thing, it's either amazing or wrong. So, which what one do you think? I'm not saying that there is one that is wrong, but what one do you think from technical side do you think could be? I think, I mean, th- through this year, it's going to be hard to kind of judge them because there's so much else going on. Mm-hmm. I think the concept that I've got the least confidence in, uh, which probably is the, the best way to answer the question, yeah. <laughs> is the uh, Aston Martin with the, the fully undercut side pods and the radiators lifted up um, because that works in a different way to virtually everybody else's. Now we've got like um, Alpha Tauri and, and uh, Alpha Romeo that have kind of got quite undercut side pods. I don't think they're quite as extreme as what Aston Martin's done. Mm. And that to me is a problem because it, it aerodynamically, it's not working the front of the floor in the same way as most of the other teams are doing. Um, but equally, the problem you've got is if they want to go back to a more conventional side pod, they have to repackage the radiators as well. And that's a big job. Um, and you know, in a year where you've got a budget cap, you've got restricted wind tunnel times. I mean, you've got 23 races and a high development rate anyway. Fitting that into the year is a big job for them. So it's almost as though the, the potential for that package is a lot more limited. And if it's not working for them, and I'm, you know, I think they're doing okay. You know, they're very kind of anonymous, as you were saying, in the uh, the middle of the grid there, um, that they could have a, a good year simply because of the rest of the engineering and the race engineering of the team, which, you know, is their, their kind of key point. But I think, you know, as everyone else starts to find more and more time with the, the, their concepts, I think that Aston Martin r- might run out of, uh, gas with air one so that would be the one that i would worry about most i think the other one for similar reasons would be williams um mm-hmm. but at the moment i think williams works aerodynamically um certainly in my head um <laughs> and for them 
going to a more conventional side pod is a little easier. Um, I mean, they could literally just put on extra body work over the, the package that they've got already. Um, but yeah, I, I think certainly it's Aston are the ones that I'd be mm, not wanting to um, put my money on just at this stage. When you, when you saw the rules yourself, um, you, you designed, I guess, a car in your brain or whether you did, mm-hmm. you, whether you even looked at paper and uh, and gave it a go uh, as, as like an Adrian Newitt style kind of get your pencil and paper out. Did, does any car uh, kind of resemble what your, your, what your idea of, of the car would have been? Yeah, rather worryingly, there was. Um, I I drew uh, a car for. I can't remember. It was. It, it was. It wasn't my car, but I kind of drew a, a concept of a car, mm-hmm. and then kind of developed a little bit, and it ended up being something that looked just like the Alpine, um, but with a touch of Red Bull with that kind of duck build side pod inlet that they had. Um, uh, but it really did look very much like the Alpine with the Coke bottle and the Louvers and all of that. And um, I, uh, you've got Mark Lane, one of the aerodynamicists there, that's you know big on social on, on Twitter, uh-huh. uh, sort of Twitter. Oi, oi, it's my car you, you've launched. Um, I couldn't really do that to, to Red Bull. I don't think Adrian Newey would really uh, take heed of anything that I would say. Uh, you've, des- you've copied my side pod fronts. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I did, I did some. Um, that was probably the kind of the, the serious stab at it. I did lots of kind of wacky concepts in my head and on paper that I never really shared with people mm. and um, came up with some some things that we've seen, um, some things that we haven't seen. And then there were, you know, a few concepts which um, really kind of just took me by surprise. And I would say that would be like the Williams and, um, and the Mercedes, which I didn't really think... Um, uh, would work because I, I was thinking um, with, with the Mercedes side pods, the key thing about that is that vertical side pod inlet. And I've always been told by designers in the past that that's a really good area to pick up good airflow um, for cooling. Mm. But it also means that's a good area to pick up airflow for um, aerodynamic reasons. So I was very much trying to think about throw that airflow over the side pods then rather than put it in, in through them. So yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, I'm I'm, I'm pretty happy that I kind of uh, got a, a good a good judge of it, and uh, it's still nice to know that people can surprise you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you uh, I've wasted so many bits of A4 paper and sharpie pen writing stuff over the winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I think Ross Braun came out and said he he was surprised about the uh, the, the Mercedes design. Uh, he said uh, mm. it, it certainly wasn't anything that they were expecting. Um, I don't think anyone was expecting it, apart from obviously the the, the, in, the people in the uh, in the team themselves. So mm. you've got to remember that the that the aero concepts uh, when they're being developed, no most you know, for a, a company of a thousand, two thousand people, only a small proportion of them, albeit a lot of people that tend to work in the aero department, most of them will never have seen that car until you know bits were actually being made and put together. Mm. So I imagine there's a lot of people at Mercedes were surprised when that actually got shown off and it's like wow we've made this but i work on the gearbox so i'd never have seen that or something like that <laughs> yeah oh another thing that we actually should talk about is uh the ferrari protest over the the rear the rear wings uh the, the wing mirrors the wing mirrors yeah the, the, the mounts <laughs> for the wing mirrors uh on the on the yep. mercedes team uh are, are they against the rules are they using the wing mirrors as the uh 
as an aero thing that's that's against the, the principles in the rules? I think the problem that we, I, I have with that kind of story, then you can see that comments have been made by, I think, Bonotto and a few other people as well, hasn't there? Um, and how it got reported is that I don't know exactly what it is that they're complaining about. Now, I have an opinion about mirrors across the grid for many years um but there's two things it could be first of all it could be the fact that mercedes mirrors are mounted on that piece of bodywork which also contains the side impact structure and people are kind of calling it you know the hammerhead um uh-huh. or sort of setup or whatever you want to call that sort of winged like device um in terms of that hammerhead piece and the fact that the mirror is attached to it, I have no issue with that in terms of legality at all, because that's just, you know, repackaging volumes of, of bodywork that are quite clearly laid out in the regulations and that quite clearly meet them. But then right. there's the other part, which are these kind of three or four, oh, I forget exactly off the top of my head, little sticky up bits behind the mirror that aren't actually touching the mirror housing at all. Um, and in my opinion, um, are... Um, a stretch of the regulations, um, right. but they are a stretch of the regulations that many teams have exploited this year and have done for many years. Um, and I think from my point of view is if you're going to ha- have to have a mirror, then you have a mirror pod and something to hold it up. And yeah. that should be absolutely minimal. Um, but the way the regulations have been purposely worded in some respects, but equally haven't been enforced for for many years now uh, that we've kind of grown up over these past mm, probably even even 10 years i'm trying to think when the 2009 had the mirrors spaced wide didn't they so this has been going on for quite a while mm-hmm. um that you know teams are exploiting the mirrors to way beyond what i think they should be if the fi want them to have some bits of body work to shape the airflow over the side pods and around the cockpit great let them have it but don't mm. call it a mirror mounting you know don't let's not confuse the two and i think what's happened is that the teams have kind of really stretched this and alpha tauri are another example that had a very similar mirror set up to the um mercedes uh red bull have got some cheeky interpretation the the the, the, the mirrors as well lots of teams have got different things of doing it so i think it's something that does need just to be cleared up and you know I can kind of get quite wound up about it, but I think in in the grand scheme of things, it really isn't that important. Mm. Um, uh, <clears throat> but again, it is. I think it is something that just just needs to be cleared up. It's like, you know, are we having this or are we not? And uh, if it, if I was a team, I'd put a completely normal set of mirrors on my car and then protest everybody else at a race. <laughs> Uh, and just say no, no. Look at that. That's not meeting the regular. And that, and that yeah, and that, that's what I would do. But um, yeah, uh, it's. Um, I think it's a bit of a storm in a teacup. But you know, at the end of the day, someone does need to give the tea a bit of a stir and uh, get it drunk. <laughs> and you don't think they're going to have massive uh, actual benefits uh, in the on, in the grand scheme of things? They'll have minute uh, benefits, but yeah, I mean, they they have benefits. You know, they you know they're they're, they're meticulously designed they'll probably have dozens of people working on that because it's one of the few bits of sticky up sticky out body work that you uh, have with these regulations so and equally under previous rules so it's that they do serve a purpose but you know it's not it's not the difference between winning and losing or having a good or a bad car but um you know it's um it's just something for people to obsess over really (laughs) according to 
uh, what I've just read. The FIA's Technical Advisory Committee will meet on Tuesday to mm. discuss this. So you're pretty much right. They're clear. They're going to clear it up. They've seen it. People have said they're going to discuss it. So they thought, right, okay, before it gets any further, let's tweak it and see if we need to tweak yeah. it. So they're having the conversation that you yeah. pretty much alluded to yeah. tomorrow, uh, tomorrow. Yeah, and this this should have been done when they were writing these regulations. Mm-hmm. In fact, they should have been done this when writing regulations any time since 2009, frankly. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> again, storm the teacup, but, you know, it, it gives gives us something to get excited about, doesn't it? No one's going to win the championship on the design of their wing mirrors, though. <laughs> well, well, we haven't seen what they turn up in Bahrain free practice yet, have we? The new double diffuser. <laughs> Sean, have you got any more questions for Scarps? Yeah, um, obviously, when the, this regulations were announced, well, a couple of years ago now, um, we all panicked that it was going to be a spec series and all that. But the kind of the the, the the through narrative a lot was these cars would be up to five seconds slower. They're going to be they're already so much heavier that the that they're requesting more weight because they're so heavy. The regulations are too restrictive on how heavy they are. Um, and everyone said they would be so much slower. They'd be so much slower. They'd be so much slower. To my mind, they're not. Um, I mean, in Bahrain, at the wrong time of the year, with the wrong tyres on brand new cars that they've never tested before, not going for pace, they're only three seconds off pole last year. Exact same scenario in Bahrain, wrong time of day, wrong tyres, not going for pace, brand new cars, three seconds off pole last year. Where do you stand on this? Do you think we'll see lap records be broken maybe this year or next year as these cars, do you think they will actually turn out to be significantly slower or the same pace or even faster than what were the fastest cars of all time? Well, I think that's going to be largely decided by the tyres in some respects. Um, if the, uh, uh, the, the, the C5s, is it always get which, which were around the tyre uh, order goes? If the super soft tyre is, you know, uh, is, is really quick and is a good quality tyre, then yeah, I think we're going to see lap times tumble this year. Uh, they will end up quicker than, last year's cars definitely i think there's almost no doubt about that at some point but i think that certainly in this season it's going to be very circuit dependent mm. so these cars we know that they're going to be very fast in a straight line they're going to be very good in uh, medium fast corners but not very good in slow corners so i think we will see them struggle at the slower tracks or lap, lap tracks where you've got a high sensitivity to low low corner speed um i think monza could be um, quite startling this year with these low drag cars and so much power coming from these engines now. Um, you know, we, we, they've been thousand horsepower engines for quite a few years now. And this is not qualifying party mode thousand horsepower. This is the potential to run near thousand horsepower for a, you know, long durations during the race. And these are incredible cars. Uh, so, yeah, so I think we will see that. And um, as these power units, despite the spec freeze and despite the, the restrictions on fuels, I think we will still see power uh, increasing over these next few years. And as they get the chassis worked out, particularly with a low speed performance to get that balance, um, you know, they will be, end up being much, much quicker. And I wouldn't be surprised before these regulations and the current engine regulations pack up at the end of 2025, that we wouldn't have had some more regulations to try and cap these cars performance mm. um, for, you know, simply because these cars are going so incredibly fast uh, because of the tyres and obviously because of safety, and particularly in high-speed corners. You know, these are going to be very highly loaded cars uh, through the fast stuff. And, um, you know, that's if there's anything goes wrong, 
and you know anything could go wrong uh, in a high speed corner, then you know you, you're a passenger in something uh, akin to an aircraft crash. So you know that's why um, simplifying the thing is that's why ground, ground effects were kind of banned back in '82. Mm. Um, you know there was lots of reasons for it, and they've kind of mitigated lots of those reasons. But at the end of the day, if you're going very fast in very fast corners you know um there's there, there's some jeopardy there so Just, um one other thing then you touched on obviously these are going to be incredible in medium to high speed course we've already seen that especially in barcelona um around turn nine but mm. on the flip side of that the final sector of barcelona they looked so clumsy so yes. so so clumsy it looked like me trying to drive them <laughs> um and i rate myself as an okay driver but i'm not a final one driver <laughs> Do you think we're going to see all of them in the swimming pool in Monaco? <laughs> I was going to say Monaco is going to be quite interesting this year. It's going to be because yeah, I mean, they're heavy, they're is. slow, they're lethargic, and like you said, this arrow is not designed to work at slow speeds. And well, it, slow it's, speeds. it's all working against the drivers, Monaco in particular, but at any slow set of corners, um, you've got lots of things in the factor as you say that they're, they're heavy. Um, some of them are a bit shorter than last year, so that in, kind of balances it a little bit. Um, but the main thing is the aerodynamics. You know, that front wing is really high off the ground, um, and the cars really want to work only at you know higher speeds. Um, we saw the Red Bull rake the car a little bit, a very little bit. Let's not, not get too carried away with that. In um, in in Bahrain, get the front wing a bit close to the ground. So lots of flexibility in the front wings. But yeah, getting the downforce in low speed is going to be a big problem. Um, some of the drivers have commented in terms of that the height of the front tyres, which are uh, 60 millimetres, six centimetres taller than last year's. And obviously that's... It makes them a lot bigger. You've got these deflectors. And while normally uh, at even relatively slow speed corners, the driver isn't looking at the apex. They're not looking where that front wheel's going. They know that just in their head. Mm. Um, but, you know, when you then think of Monaco and that, you know, that fantastic corner, I can never remember which one it is. It might be the exit from the swimming pool where they always kind of turn through that corner and they're brushing it with the front tyre. Mm -hmm. um, doing that with these cars is going to be trickier and it's going to be a bit clumsier. Then you've got the suspension. The suspension isn't going to work half as well. Um, and the way I've likened it, and I think we kind of spoke a little bit about it earlier, didn't we, about how these cars look so much harder to drive. But if you can remember looking at an onboard from last year, it was a very serene, isn't it? The driver just kind of easily just threading it through corners. Mm. And then you go back and look at an old center onboard lap where it's like, oh, hell's breaking loose. Everything just shaking. watching the wheel. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's kind of a bit like that, that these cars aren't going to be smoothly suspended you know they're not going to be mm. perfectly damped there's going to be all sorts of things kicking them up they're going to have to be running quite hard springs because of the um the, the porpoising and coping with the aero and it's lots of the tricks that they've had last year um have all been taken away in the suspension so yeah it's going to be very hard to wrestle these cars through um the slower tracks and i think monaco you know there's always kind of been a driver's track hasn't it mm -hmm. and i think this year it's the driver that can hustle that car um, in qualifying uh, is, is really is going to be rewarded with a, a well-deserved pole position there. Just just one final one, if I can. Um, you mentioned mm -hmm. there just about the, the, the suspension, um, especially this year. They've talked a lot about really hammering down on like the track limit rules. The white line is the track. 
Do you think then that they're going to flatten out curbs for the two reasons? One, they won't need them to kill the cars for the drivers going wide anymore if they're just going to slam dunk your over the line penalty or lap time to the easiest. And two, if the curbs are too high, like it, it, just imagine the, the sausage curbs in Austria a couple of years ago that literally broke the cars in half. Mm. Are they going to have to flatten the curbs out so that one, the suspension doesn't shatter, and two, that the aero from a ground effect isn't so badly affected that it spins the car? The cars completely lose any downforce midway through a high-speed corner because they've gone a bit over a curb. Yeah, I mean, this is something, one of those big unknowns again. Um, definitely curbs are out for these cars um, uh, for, for a couple of reasons. One is that the stiffness of the suspension they'll be running initially um, and that the, the lack of the other uh, tricks that they had in the suspension. But equally, and I, I got this wrong earlier, this is one of the things that I got wrong. I actually thought that the car was going to be a little bit higher off the ground because of the stepped bottom, and actually it's not. The entire car is... Uh, effectively flat at the bottom now, which is quite different to what you've had uh, last year, because effectively last year your barge boards were five centimetres higher than the bottom of the car. Um, mm. This year, the um, edges of the floor and those fences inside the floor um, are going to be as low as the rest of the car. So if you whack a curb with them, you're going to damage the fences or you could damage the floor edge, which is a kind of a game over, really, in lots of respects. So um, that's going to be a big issue. Um, and then you go into the more of the, 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 kind of the sort of safety factor is if they are going off track and you're going over the sawtooth curbs, as you said, in Austria, or certainly sausage curbs, these cars, and then, then the, the suspension is not going to be like, not going to like hitting them. And the, the underbody is not going to like hitting them either. So the drivers really are going to have to kind of keep off that. Um, and then you've just got that, then the, you know, the argument about, well, if you keep off it, you're not going to damage the car. If you keep on track, <laughs> it's not a problem. Mm. But drivers don't, do they? Um, so, you know, I think we're going to have arguments again this year as to, you know, how big is that curb? Can you please bring my front wing back? Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, or, you know, just let, let them suffer. Um, you know. I like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've always been of the opinion is this is circuit racing. Um, and there's a white line around the track. And we all get a track map and we all know what the track looks like. So you stick within those lines. Mm -hmm. And I don't think whether you gain an advantage or not, I don't give, I don't give a monk because if you've got, you know, more than uh, one wheel off the track, you're off the track, you know, and that's your problem. Every, you should stay within the white lines with at least one wheel, one, uh, one side of your car. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, I think that's, yeah. Yeah, I, I talk mainly about the sort of the technical side of sport, but I think there is aspects of the sporting regulations, and particularly in terms of terms of engagements with the drivers, with the edge of the track, and with each other, that still needs to be resolved. And I don't know, I don't know where they're at with that. But again, I think that's going to be a long running argument with everybody mm. this year, um, pointing fingers and being nasty with each other. I think the I think the biggest way to stop it with those kind of things is if it's consistent. That was the biggest issue before with Michael Massey before, where one minute you couldn't do that, the next minute he let it go because it was racing, Brazil being a big one. But see if the two new race directors came through and went, that manoeuvre happened and everybody got a penalty for that manoeuvre. Okay, we might not agree with it. You're consistent. You know, I think that's where we need to be with it and then allow the FIA to deal with it. If we get too many inconsistencies, we're just not solving the problem. It'll spoil what would hopefully going to be a good season like what's already happened to the season before 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I think, to be honest, consistency is the biggest issue that we've always had with enforcement of the regulations, both technical and sporting. And certainly, you know, long prior to, to Michael Massey coming and looking after the sporting side, um, and it's always been frustrating because, you know, you look at so many other sports that have got so much better at policing these sort of things, you know, sort of VAR and the whatever they call that in rugby, where they can go off to the uh, the fourth yeah, official. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, Formula Formula One has always kind of always had a level of interpretation of the regulations, and um, you know it's led to inconsistencies and you know, lots of problems that we had last year through the season, not just uh, in those final, final few laps. Um, and yeah, yeah, it it needs to be resolved uh, to get everyone's confidence back. Okay, well, let's look forward to the weekend then and do a little very, very brief uh, preview of the Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, We are going to Bahrain. Uh, We obviously have just been there for the testing, Um, but the first race is in Bahrain too. Its circuit length is 5.412 kilometres. We're going to have 57 laps. The first race was in 2004. And the total race distance is 308.238 kilometres. The current lap record is held by... Pedro de la Rosa, uh, 1 minute 31.447. Uh, we probably don't think that that's going to fall uh, this year, um, but you never know. Surprises may happen. Um, in the UK, this is your, these are your times for the weekend. Uh, on Friday, free practice 1, 12 till 1 o'clock, and this is the UK times. Uh, free practice 2, 3 o'clock till 4 o'clock. Saturday, free practice 3, 12 till 1 o'clock, and quali is 3 till 4 and then the main event on Sunday uh, starts at 3 p.m. So pop that into your calendars uh, and obviously get ready and get excited for the first race of the season. OK, although we don't really know and it's going to be very difficult, we do it every every um, race preview. Uh, we're going to just get uh, get everyone to just just pick uh, first, second and third. Um, just uh, it's going to be completely random, so it'll be just just interesting to see what people are going to going to go with. Uh, I'm going to start with Coops first, second, and third for the for the race. Verstappen, uh, sick. Uh, Verstappen, Leclerc, and uh, Hamilton. Okay, Sean. I'm going to say Leclerc, Russell, Danny Ricardo. Wow, Scarbs. I know we're putting you on the spot here, and it's 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 an all unknown, but. We just want to uh, do it for a laugh. Okay, I will go with uh, uh, Rebel One Two, Verstappen, Perez, and that would be followed by Science being consistent. Ooh. Okay, and I'm going to pick. I think Hamilton will Darby. go first. <laughs> I think they'll get the hang of that car. Maybe Hamilton, George Russell, and yeah, we'll, we'll also Max Verstappen as well. Just just to go, you know. Down with oh, the old predictable. What what a terrifying prospect to start this new era <laughs> of Formula One where the racing will be closer and there won't be any domination. Hey. I, I just yeah, and, that, and that's and that's my prediction. My my prediction is that the Mercedes are, are going to be so, they're going to be they're going to be so riled up from 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 the the loss that they had last year. They have put loads of time into developing that car. They've come up, obviously, with this most, probably one of the most extreme designs. I don't know whether you'd agree with that is the case. Um, you know, podless or kind of pod, small pods or whatever. I think they're going to be determined to, to get that the championship. So I don't think the, the pecking order is going to be changed uh, as much as we think it might have done. 
I'm just waiting for George Russell to fire into the side of Hamilton and <laughs> for Hamilton part two all over again. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward to uh, George, it's James, and then George going back with, I'm actually in the lead of this race here, James. It's fine. Catch <laughs> 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 it. <laughs> do you think, yeah. Scabs, do you think that Russell will play the team game or do you think he's out to prove himself? I, I don't know. I mean, he's quite he's quite a strong-minded young man, isn't he? Um, mm. And he's going. Yeah, you can't go to Mercedes. You can't go to a team and think, right, this year I'm going to be the number two driver. Uh, next year that guy's going to retire, so then I can kind of step up. You kind of got to go in all guns blazing. So he's got to go in thinking, I can get pole. Um, I can lead that race. I can make the strategy calls. I can overtake my teammate on the track. And where the team say, oh, could you slow down a bit and let the, you know, um, Sir Lewis through, he's going to mm. say, no. <laughs> and I think I think that's what he has to do, because if he mm-hmm. doesn't, I think he's going to go the way of um, lots of um, sort of second drivers in a team will go where, yeah, they kind of arrive as a, you know, the potential champion. They've got it all to, all to do um, and end up just kind of being a bit of a kind of slightly wet second driver um so yeah i think i think he has to do that um I, I otherwise agree. you know uh, you, you lose your momentum you lose your position in the team and you know they then start thinking well who are we going to get in to replace hamilton should he retire obviously i don't know i don't know <laughs> that for certain he might be around for a few more years um yeah you know he's he's, he's got to kind of got go for it and you know he's definitely going to get wins this year i mean that's the other sort of you know, I don't think that's a bold claim. I think it's just, you know, being realistic, isn't it? Absolutely. We've, we've talked about this a fair bit ever since um, Hungary last year, um, where he very famously said, sacrifice me to help Nikki. Um, and we've disagreed a lot on this on various iterations <laughs> of the podcast. Some people think that, oh, he's going to come into to part of why Mercedes signed him is he'll be a team player. I completely disagree. I think you're 100% right. I think. In Williams, he was a team player. He knew what needed to be done for the whole team. The team needed those points at Hungary. If it, whether it was him or Nicky, it didn't matter. The team needed the points. In Mercedes, it doesn't matter. If he doesn't <laughs> score points, he's lost and he'll get fired. If he, he has to come in and it has to be the case, like you said, of I don't care if you're Sir anything. I don't <laughs> care who touched you with the sword. I'm going to wipe the floor with you. And I, I, I think he absolutely has the quality for that. And he will have, he has that. We haven't really seen this because he's been in Williams and he's been joking around with Lando and uh, Alex Albon for the past three years, but he has that Max Verstappen aggression in him. I think we're going to see it this year. And I just think yeah. that pass in, in Sakir against uh, Bottas around the outside, didn't care if they were going to crash. Bottas had to pull out of that. That was, we're going to see a lot of that this year. I think it beat Lewis this year. Sean, what you need to remember is that was a post, that was a pass against Bottas. Yes, well, (laughs) it's a very different proposition when you've got Max Verstappen or Hamilton, you know. Well, that'll be the challenge, won't it? Is can he keep his foot in against the two of them? And will Lewis, no, he will. Will Lewis come on the radio and go, he's so dangerous? Well, will he get the the, the, the clear cut threat again from uh, Toto Wolf? I don't think it will. I think it'll. I, I think it'll be a. I think team team orders will only get brought into it if they hit each other too many times, or if one of them probably Hamilton's got a chance to. You know, he's if, away in front. 
I think well, that's when they have to step back and go, right, come on. And I think you will. Historically, been very good with that. They're, I mean, look, yeah. look at Nico Rosberg and then they, they they allowed them to race, and I think that's what they'll do for the for the early part of the season until it's mathematically impossible for one of them not to to yeah. get anywhere. I don't even think uh, it'll be mathematically impossible. I think it's if you're talking thirty points and there's only mm. maybe six or seven races left, I think they'll just be like, no, right, no, this is your your. You're mm. now doing this. And they, unless something happens, you know, major. Fairness Mercedes, they wouldn't do that. They're not going to take a win away from them, especially earlier in the season. But, and in fairness to George, when it comes time to, if it's Lewis versus Max and there's two points in it and there's two races to go, yes, George will get out of the way. They'd probably offer to get out of the way then, to be fair mm. to him. But I don't think for the first 21 of these 23, 22 races, that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the problem that this is this is the potential problem is that if Mercedes does end up with a a car for the championship or championships, uh, and that's more going to be more than likely that they'll be challenging it, you know, through the year. But if Russell's winning and Hamilton's winning, and meanwhile you know, the Ferraris or the Red Bulls are winning, then you know they're going to be taking points off of each other, aren't mm-hmm. they, through the year? And it could come to the point where they could both have a, you know, easy grasp on the constructors' championship, but both of them have kind of sharing the points and are nowhere near the drivers' championship. Mm. So that's, you know, I think that's a, something that needs to be managed at, at Mercedes. I'm sure they're aware of it. Um, and then to your other sort of points on sort of uh, team orders, is I don't think either of the drivers are going to be bloody minded in terms of, you know, you're having to drive just at mode one. But, you know, because you've got a problem and your teammates behind you on fresh tyres, let them through. I don't think, you know, none of them are going to go, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get in your way and you have to overtake me. It's like, no, I'll move out of the way. It's, you know, they're they're the kind of the team orders that I think both the drivers will um, certainly if it continues to be a harmonious relationship, they're the ones that they will they will agree to. But um, mm. I think it could start to get a bit nasty, um, as with any teammate uh, towards the back end of the season when, you know, one of the drivers does maybe feel slightly slighted um, by a, a strategy call and when the things are a bit less um, uh, black and white. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, it, it, there's, there's a human battle there, which I think... Uh, will be uh, one of the most interesting this year. I think equally the two Ferrari drivers have got some scope for some fireworks mm. as well. So they, you know, They've been very cool. nice up until now, haven't they? Mm. They've been very friendly. And uh, in public, yes. Um, oh, oh, yeah. oh, behind oh. the scenes, is that, is that different, is it? <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's, yeah, yeah. You, you, you hear things. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, that there is there's some scope for some, some really great action nice. uh, on them too. Um, particularly if that car is competitive. So, yeah, watch this space. Well, on that note, I, I think that's a, a great kind of place to end, really, on our, our podcast today, uh, just on the sheer excitement at what can happen intra-team battles-wise and, of course, uh, between between all the teams themselves as well. Um, this has been the Everything F1 podcast. I've been James Tiller. We've had Coops and Sean along from my team. Thanks, guys. Thank hey. you. And good night. We've also had a brilliant guest, Scarbs, Craig Scarbs, Scarborough, uh, coming on to chat to us. Thank you very much for coming to chat to us today. No, thank you. It's been really enjoyed it. Um, uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're invited wherever. Uh, we, we love talking to, to you. It's, it's brilliant. Um, as I say, we've been the Everything Everyone podcast. 
please hit that bell on your podcast streaming service right now and get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. You can also follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And of course, visit our website, www.everythingf1.com, where we update news articles pretty much daily. This has been the Everything F1 podcast. We'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.